Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Snark Monkey number 15. Uh, I'm going to keep this quick because it's a long podcast and it's a fascinating podcast. Kyle Cease today. Kyle is a guy who's, uh, well, he started doing stand-up comedy when he was a fetus. He became known around his hometown of Seattle as Kid Comedy. Do you hear the, uh, they're uh, putting in a kitchenette next door to me and they're making a lot of noise. Can you hear that? There's some serious damn plumbing action going on next door. Oh, yeah. Some serious damn plumbing action. Sounds like I'm promoting a porn movie. Let's get back to what I was talking about. Kyle Cease uh, started out very, very young. He called himself Kid Comedy um, and came up through the stand-up world, had a very popular Comedy Central special, a very couple, a very popular couple of CDs that came out. My own kid became mildly obsessed with the comedy of Kyle Cease to the point that he was quoting him, uh, he and his friends, and uh, did tons of colleges, was really getting a name for himself, and then had this, he calls it a breakthrough, and I call it a breakdown, and it's probably a combination of both, and we address that in the podcast, and started out in a very different way, recreating his life, dropped off the landscape off the radar as far as the comedy world goes but still very active but doing some interesting things in the world of well for lack of a better term self-help or motivation and it sounds like it might be a scam but i i get this feeling that kyle is doing some really great stuff and he's giving back to people um and I think you need to hear his story. Now, I do reference this early on. The reason I got back in touch with Kyle, uh, I hadn't talked to him in years, was because I listened to him on Pete Holmes' uh, You Made It Weird podcast. I would highly recommend, if you have an interest in what Kyle is talking about, that maybe you start <laughs> with Pete's podcast and go check it out there. So look for Pete Holmes' You Made It Weird podcast with Kyle Cease. Or you can just listen to Snark Monkey and then go backwards and listen to Pete's. But... Um, Pete gets a little bit more into the story of what Kyle went through in his own personal life and career, as well as the backlash that Kyle got from other major comedy figures, especially Doug Stanhope. And uh, kind of at least in the comedy, you know, comedian world, the stand up world, there was a bit of a back and forth on the Internet there about what Kyle was doing and what he was promoting and how he was doing it and how other comics uh, were were kind of attacking him over it that's been largely resolved since then but anyway we get really deep and really philosophical here there's not a ton of laughs but he's still a very personable very funny guy and um and has a take on life and work and career that i really respond to so i hope you will hang with this and listen to pretty insightful guy i'm really impressed with what kyle has done with his life and i think you're gonna like this so check out his stuff go back and check out his comedy if you're not familiar with him and um 
and uh, enjoy. Snark Monkey number 15. This is Kyle Cease. Catch up personally on this thing, but still make it somewhat interesting to other people. Do you yeah. do you want you don't have to use those, but you can if you want. Yeah, I can't hear me unless I have. <laughs> of course, you can. My, I have these weird ears that are wired only externally. And you I can't spend hear most of your life listening to yourself. Yeah. How, how would you not be I, able to hear yourself? I, yeah, I just I have you no just idea. like you just like feeling like a professional broadcaster. Is this one of those parts where that was recorded? Like, so they feel like they're coming into behind the scenes. Yeah, totally. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so don't say like, anything. Hey, everybody. Like you'll... <laughs> no, no formal introduction. Okay. None of that. You've done plenty of these, though. You've been... Actually, I, I kind of... Because I was inspired to track you down because I listened to you on Pete Holmes' podcast. Awesome. Which was fascinating. And so I kind of don't want to cover the same territory because, one, Pete's way more popular than I am. Uh, and I'll have pr- probably a lot more people listening. But I, I thought... It inspired me so much to ask you more questions about sure. some of the things you talked about. So I would probably kick this whole thing off, which is ridiculous, but because the podcast world is way different than the, you know, any other broadcast world, yeah. I would encourage people to go find your your podcast with Pete Holmes. Uh, Thank you. With yeah. Pete Holmes, which was amazing because I haven't seen you in a while, and I think the last time we talked to each other... You, and I'll be really honest up front, Kyle. Uh, you and I had, you know, I've known you kind of off and on for a while yeah. in a weird peripheral way because of of the radio world and stand right. up and stuff like that. Known you, I've met you when you were you 1997. were kid comedy. So. You were kid comedy at the time. <laughs> we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, and then you had uh, you had a, a release. I think you had your your special or your or one of your albums come out. Yes, we did a, a radio tour, and then a short time after that, you you kind of left me these messages that were like, I, "I'm going through this exciting new thing." I mean, yes. you really kind of these really pause, and I was sure that you had joined a cult, right. and I was worried about you. Sure. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, it was just no one tells the person. Well, no, yeah. but it was it was it was so intense with with passion and joy yeah. for life that I was suspect of it, which, sure. by the way, is something we should probably analyze, you know, as well, that I would be <laughs> suspect of you sounding like you were in a good place. Well, I sure understand that, too, because, you know, as time's gone on, I've, I've left the idea that a specific thing or a method or a specific seminar has the answers, because I think that there's something really real when people experience what you know, many people might not understand is called a breakthrough, which is where basically for for people that might, you know, that think that's a crazy word and, and don't know what that is, like, it's almost like it's weird when you start to realize basically the logic of how much you've been stressing based on your thoughts, like how much your thoughts are causing you to only like like people sit on their bed every day and they think about something in the past and then it's not happening then they're they're safe in their bedroom but they're like thinking about that time someone cut them off or someone did a thing and they're actually putting that stress into their body because they're rethinking of it Yeah, we're bringing back something we've already gone through and and 
Right. Why is that? Are we trying to solve it some in some way in hindsight somehow? Or do we need to bring that stress back for any reason? Well, actually, I think in our society, one reason is because we actually get a lot of love and connection for something that we're a victim to. You mm-hmm. know, people, it's, it's almost like um, when you tell someone you're depressed, you know, what, whether you actually are or not, if they, I know that's a real thing. If you tell someone you're depressed, though, they'll go, oh, my God, like, come here. You know, yeah. I'm so sorry you're going through that. If you tell someone you're, you've succeeded at something, in their mind, it's a threat. So you actually feel a lack of support and kind of a judgment because you've become someone different. And it reminds them that they might not have done what they wanted to do in their life. That does happen a lot when you yeah. talk about things you've accomplished People You're just tend, bragging. Yeah, you, yeah, and that is what we've ingrained yeah. in society, you know, the whole idea of humble brag, which, right. is, which is, you know, you really want to share it with people. That's what you yeah. really want to do. And, and, and you feel bad saying a good thing, yet you can go on Facebook and everyone's just talking crap all day about nothing and angry at, like, Justin Bieber or something. <laughs> right. And <laughs> as a way to give themselves more significance. So we have this society where you're actually kind of trained. You get love for failing. And if you succeed, oh, there's a oh, is spe- that part of it? Speaking of failing, the elevators here went out. So yeah, I, I stared it up here. Not, not just the elevators, the electricity. I think in this whole building. Oh, and, yeah, and perhaps a whole power failure. This so. lady and I were in the parking garage, walking towards the elevator in the first place, and the, all the lights, like a horror movie, like flickered out. And it was just she and I, and I said, what movie are we in right now? It's just such a weird moment. If you had just taken credit for it, that would have been really creepy. Yeah, and cool. I know. What if I just, that would have been so much funnier. <laughs> if I had just looked at her and went, <laughs> <laughs> I did that with my mind. Yeah. You know, Larry, I have a story that involves you that I'm going to tell you in a bit that uh, has, that, that, that. I, that I haven't told anyone, but it's the craziest story of my life that, that involves you. And, it'll, and it will involve why you totally thought I was in a cult, too. And okay. But but I'll, I'll get back to that. But it just reminded me, like, I have to tell okay, you Okay, we will get back to that. But, but when you say, now, when you started calling me, this was after, what you're calling a breakthrough, if I'm interpreting so, yeah. this right, it was a, also a bit of a breakdown, correct? I mean, oh, yeah. in a way? I feel like you can't actually have one without but a breakdown. Because most people think, basically, a another person in their life or their job or their money is who they are, right? Your source of happiness, basically almost your God, is that you're this person's spouse or you have this giant bank account. And if that's who you are in your mind, in your soul, in your emotions, then when that goes away, you go away too, right? So if you're so proud of yourself because of your accomplishments and now those accomplishments are falling apart, like that's how this started for me, you know, as a, a comic... I learned how to be, I, I said this on Pete Holmes, I think, but I learned how to be a comedian before I learned how to be a person. Yeah, you, know? you, were, you were successful at this, and, and I kind of want to nutshell what you talked about with Pete, because again, I don't want to travel over the same territory, sure. but, it, but expand on it a little bit. You right. were, uh, let's, let's do that in a nutshell. You were born in? Uh, 1977 in Seattle. In Seattle, Washington. At 12, I was a, a working comic. My, mm-hmm. my family had all, in certain ways, my extended family had been involved in the industry. My uncle was the prop man for Gallagher. My grandma was a famous... <laughs> hold on. Hold yeah. on. We, I just want everybody to let that sink in for a second. Yeah, I, Your uncle was the prop man for Gallagher. For Gallagher. Yes. So he was in charge of the melons. He was in charge of the props. He made like the baby in the oh, high okay. chair oh, and the so giant like couch. Oh, so like the, the gags. The, yeah. yeah. And the so, mallets? Which... <laughs> 
I don't know if he made that, but any Let's any joke mallet, made any made spoofy mallet, yeah, okay. maybe. But that was Gallagher was like a great way for a second grader to get into comedy. Oh, are you kidding? Which yeah. is such an insult to Gallagher in a way, but you know, like when you're in second grade and this guy's like got giant toys and stuff, you know. So I started doing his. No, material. for the toddler set, he's a smart comic, right? I think. Right. Yeah. So, well, I started doing his material for second graders in, in class. So I was in front of the class. I'd be like, women, you go out shopping. You buy us underwear that fits cardboard. Am I right, guys? And I would have a southern accent and <laughs> I'd smash like a grape because we were all smaller, you know, to scale. Um, and, With a tiny little hammer? Yeah. Yeah. And as I grew, like when I got to the teenagers and did Gallagher's material, I'd have like a regular hammer and then... You know, there's. What do you do of, now when you do Gallagher's oh, material? Well, I did an obese convention the other day. It was like the biggest sledge. It's <laughs> such a stupid joke, um, but. And I led you right into. So it. yeah, so he so he was uh, someone that I saw when I was a kid and and thought that was so funny. And then my grandma was a famous puppeteer. She was on the Carol Burnett show. She was. Um, what she, was her name? Her name's her name's Jeannie Townsend. She's, She's still, still with us. Yeah. yeah, and she is uh, now. She lives in Sedona and she just meditates all day. So weirdly, in a non-direct way, I kind of had. I I don't do that, but I had kind of a similar thing where I was in the top of my game in the comedy industry and kind of left it because I had found something deeper for me that sounds airy fairy right now. But I'll tell you what experience I had actually caused me to live in my purpose much more, create uh, an industry that hasn't been created, which is combining comedy and transformation. Um, I now work constantly, uh, way more, way more fulfillment, way more money, way more. It's awesome. Now, and, see, this is what I want to dig into, because yeah. this is basically what happened. You had been on the road. And we've kind of opened like five doors. And no, I'm and, sorry about that. And we're going to we're going to shut People them all are tight. still like, so what if I'm on my bed complaining? You know, and they don't they didn't. <laughs> we're going to get to that, too. Yeah. All these loose threads. All these it's, things it's, have a point. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's like. Uh, name that movie Crash or Syriana or something all these threads <laughs> yeah. will tie together end, at the end yes. yeah. and you'll go Ludacris oh will, at the end Ludacris will rescue some people out of a van sweet I can't wait for yeah. that um, now I forget where it was no um, basically you reached uh, you worked so hard at becoming a comic at such a young age that right. that became the only thing you were doing. You, and, and it became my source of happiness, right? right? It's the only thing I And that's not unusual knew. for right. people to do. It, it is their work defines them. Right. And, or and their you, life's work, and, they think. And most people hearing that right now, many people might go, yeah, of course it does. Like, I be, I'm a comic. That's mm-hmm. what I am, you know, and that's great. But I'll tell you something. It's weird because if you say that's who you are, first of all, your life depends on how your set goes, right? Like, if you, if you go perform, I mean, this is your air. This is your way of getting love from people. This is your only method so for instance i'd go on stage and i'd have my act down and i'd if you kill it you're you know many comics know about this you when you kill it you're all about how great your set was and you want to live that high again if you bomb you you are really hard on yourself but the other thing is because that was who i was it was very hard for me to go deeper in any relationship or anything because you know it was almost like she's just meeting this comic. And once we get past it, I don't know what's there. Yeah. So when I was on an airplane in my 20s, any person I talked to, I made sure they knew that I was a comic before I even felt worthy of having a conversation with them. Because then they'd now look up to me and, oh, that's cool. Because it's kind of a thing when you say you're on Comedy Central or whatever that they really like you more. Yeah, they light up a little bit. Yeah. How much of this is very much your particular journey and how much of it applies to other comics. Because you, you, you triggered something with me there, that the life of a comic, I, and I immediately thought of people like Jay Leno, Jerry Seinfeld, 
Louis C.K. to a certain extent, sure. who have reached a level where they probably never have to do stand-up again. Right. But those guys famously, like Leno in particular, he'll keep doing it. He's got all the money he could ever need in his entire life, but he still has to go up in front of people at, and do that. It's so interesting you say that, because from from what I see in him, and this is really probably not cool to say because it's a judgment that I'm making and and it's not an angry judgment or anything but what I do see is that you know his goal was to be number one obviously he had a goal and he would it's not necessarily that what he was doing was coming from a place that you know was just more about basically there's the people who are about their expression and what they have to say and then the results form around it and then there's other people that you see kind of become a slave to what they do yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know if that sounds jerky or not, but there was kind of a, I, what's my status? What am, where am I right, in this right. position? And and people that had watched him knew that in the seventies and stuff that he was a, a really good comic. You know that he was performing yeah, from great his comic yeah. and very sharp material. Right. I, mean, I think you saw. I mean, I'll, I'll jump right on this bandwagon and say that Jay Leno was one of my favorite stand-up comics until he took over the Tonight Show right. full time, and suddenly it seemed like. That was a different guy, and the edge was gone, and the, and the, and that that it's some, just something changed. And is that yeah? I mean, like it's it, that that's a great example. Is that many people, you know, what 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 happened to me would be like if the Tonight Show for sure came crashing down for good, and there was no way he could keep saving it, and he could keep moving it around. Right. It's like basically when you think that that one thing is what makes you happy. Then what? What is something that causes an actual breakthrough? Is if that thing actually completely falls away, and you have no choice but to surrender. You have no choice but to finally go. Okay, like I, I don't know anything past this because most people think that their circumstance is what makes them happy, and then often they go to achievement type seminars, like watch the movie The Secret or see something like Tony Robbins, which sure. is great, and they're kind of like. Do you want to make a million dollars? So then they can manipulate their circumstances. But what people don't realize is they're still a victim to it. Right, right. So They're basically going through the same thing they've already put themselves through in the guise of something that feels more like an accomplishment or like you're heading toward a a more specific success. Right. So one thing that maybe – I don't know the circumstance. I sure wasn't there in any of it. But when when Leno gave the show to Conan and then took it back – Maybe he thought who he was was The Tonight Show and was scared to find out anything beyond it possibly without knowing anymore, like knowing it from this angle and was like, I got to I gotta breathe like people might not like me. And a mistake that we make all the time is we think who we are is what people think about us. Right, right. And that's a taught thing because when your childhood, all you did was played and created and you weren't caring what people thought. That's why you could just jump up and down in the middle of a group or start singing or playing or be a kid. Well, that's, that's and, why I'm trying to kind of I, – I feel feel like because you have this perspective as somebody who is who has been a stand up and they right. reached the level of success it feels like because stand ups tend to be lumped into that category of of needing to go up in front of that live right. group usually a more intimate group and obviously the guys who play theaters and that sort of thing but it is all about getting that feedback right. getting that adoration and that adulation and an immediate response and it is in a way a microcosm and a very concentrated version of what we, a lot of us, tend to do. Right. I know. I recognize it. I have spent a lot of my life working on being liked. Sure. More than, and it sounds so cliched, more than really caring about 
like myself. Right. And I, if and if my, you yeah. If you're if who you are is what people think of you, then what your ideas will be might not be from an intuitive place inside you, but more what people would want to see. Yeah. Of course, you know, that's exactly what I was manufacturing for depending on the individual right. what I thought that they wanted to see. And it worked yeah. a lot, uh, except for the fact that I didn't like a lot of those guys I was being. Well, and then let's look at the people that you can kind of think, you might think were actually not giving a crap and doing what they really wanted to do. Right. You know, it did work, and it works all the time. But then look at someone, you know, that puts it all out there and says what they think and doesn't care what, like Howard Stern. Right, right. You know what I mean? That's a guy that just, like, I'm going to say what I think. There was just such a F this feeling that he had with the producers and what they wanted. Like, think of how he treated NBC and WNBC in that movie. You sure. Know, well, his whole that? career has yeah. been, I'm just going to say how I feel right. for better or now, worse. Now, think of how Jay Leno was the opposite of that. Yeah. Right? Jay Leno was like... Like, you know, what do they want to hear? What what sells, you know? So there's two types of music out there. There's what sells. So you could be an artist and go, well, my goal is to just sell a bunch of albums. My goal is just... And there's almost a formula to make a hit. I mean, every song sounds the same now, right? That's a hit. And, you, and if so, most people, when they go, how do I do something... When you say how, your mind usually just looks at what's been done before, yep, right? Yep. So it scans a very limited place of non-original ideas. So if you want to create a company and you say, how do I do this? Your mind goes, well, this company did this, this, da, da. But if you say, here's what I want to create, and you're not saying how... You over, like for instance, if you're an artist and you're a musician, you say, "How do I write a hit?" You get to look at what has been written, which is 92 million songs, and go, "Well, these ones were the hits, and these chords going here, blah blah blah." But you're overlooking infinity songs that haven't been written yet. <laughs> right, right, right. There's a whole other world inside you. This sounds so corny, but it really exists because we're so busy making external things our source of happiness that we think on such a shallow level, and we don't tap into this thing we had when we were a kid, which is our imagination. Imagination. And luckily, the few people that did are like Steve Jobs and Oprah and, the, and those people that saw a vision that, you know, from when they were young and said, I'm going to do this. You know, I, I know I just said Oprah and people are like, well, what at the time, the idea of a black woman with her coming from her background, with her circumstances, becoming who she was, was so, you know, there, all she has in a how world is, well, white guys do this. Do you know what I'm saying? Right, like, right. if she said how at that point, she would uh, she would just be trying to copy what had been done by somebody who is not anywhere near her background, her experience, her point of view. Right. So right. when someone like Leno was writing a joke, it feels to me like he was thinking, "Will this get a laugh?" Like versus, "Is this funny to me?" Right. Because I know how funny he was in the past. You know what I mean? And 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 so when someone says, "Is this funny to? Does this make me laugh?" And Family Guy is an example of something that said. You know what? Like, you can picture in the studio, there was probably a day. I mean, this is just a projection, but there's probably a day where they're all in the studio, and one guy said, So, what should we do? And one guy goes, What if Peter got in a fight with the chicken for like four <laughs> minutes straight, uninterrupted? And you can picture everyone actually laughing, and then the old producer going, Okay, but seriously, what are we going to do? And going back to what's the formula that works. But when, when Seth MacFarlane goes, No, we're doing it. Right. It's too crazy. It's never been done. It's outside of the boundary of what's comfortable. It's not allowed. When they actually owned it and did this Andy Kaufman-esque moment of doing what was actually hilarious and crazy and breaking the fourth wall to them, there was a risk feeling involved that probably scared the hell out of the producers. But that's when your greatest happens. You know, like you're really amazing when you do that. And I think Louis C.K. is the best example 
of the opposite of of asking how and doing more instead so there's motivation which is like i'm going to make it happen and there's a lot of comics that are about being number one making it happen and they're good at just making it about them and their number one and then there's someone like louis ck who is the best example of it's not about motivation it's about letting go of everything you don't need to make room for what you actually are because what i watched in louis ck was a constant release of things that everyone thinks you need to make it happen. For instance, um, he stopped being on Facebook. He stopped following anybody on Twitter. This left him alone with himself. Right. 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 So then he throws out his material. Stop doing. He stopped doing his material after yeah. any after a major show at like age thirty six or thirty seven. He right. throws out his material. Now this is scary because that's your lifeline. You think many comics think who they are is their material, but when he threw it out and like got on the island and burnt the boats. Right. He put himself in a position where he had to go deeper. He had to dig deeper and go, what is actually in me? That's really I want to say. So he goes deeper and comes up with a special that's better than anything we'd ever seen. First, he comes out with Shameless. Right. Mm -hmm. This thing's amazing. So then he throws out that material and that forces him to go deeper. Right. right? So like a, a little later, he releases Chewed Up, which was just amazing. Now, that was at that point the best special I'd ever seen in my life. He throws that out and makes hilarious. Then at one point he stops – he starts throwing out like the network that you think you need HBO or Showtime or whatever it was. Right, right. So he throws out HBO or Showtime. I can't remember which network it was. It's and HBO, right. Is it HBO? Yeah. And then he goes, I'm going to just release it directly. Now, in our world, we have been trained to think, well, you need the agents and you need Ticketmaster and you yeah. need – and you uh, need the executive to, do, to, to right. get the green light and then you need the distribution platform right. that will get it to the most number of people. And all he's also doing in this point, the way I see it – is he's letting go of all these I need to have this happen thoughts. And as they leave, it causes him to just be alone with himself and just also coincidentally be saying the most conscious com comedy, the most aware transformational points in his comedy. And, and yeah, the irony, of course, is that he, do, by doing all that, he's basically considered probably the smartest, best, most satisfying comic working right. today. And is number one without yes. going through that. Now, let me counter that with this. Had he not gone through the typical, usual, had he not been the bad hack comic, which he was for a while, mm -hmm. you know, he's kind of doing the sure. same kind of, and, and develop his, had he not gone through yeah. the typical route, he wouldn't have reached a certain True. level of success to be able to say, yes. you know, all that stuff. So how do we on a, on a, it's a great normal question. human level, because I'm not Oprah, and I'm not Steve Jobs. Right. I mean, and I'm not saying that to to you know, I just I'm just not. I I don't know that I'm the visionary, but I want to bring the same level of creativity and uniqueness to my own world, to my own immediate world, to whatever the hell this is I'm doing right now, right. for instance. Sure. I mean, I I can adapt that right without having to expect to be Oprah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's not the only goal. <laughs> I want to um, be a middle aged black woman. Yeah. Producing, that's what your goal is. Yes. So Selma, I want to produce Selma. You know this this weekend, I got to work with. Um, I did kind of a, a intimate, you know, two day thing with maybe ten people, and I found every person just within a few minutes of talking to each person. I, I really could hear a pattern of where they are and what a great next step would be, and they were all different, right? So one guy, for instance, was a guy that um, he had been trained so deeply from his parents that he, for like the family's honor, he's like the first brother needs to become 
become a doctor. So this caused him to repress anything that he wanted, and who he became is what his parents told him he needs to become. Does that make sense? That happens a lot, right? That happens like crazy. I mean, I see that a lot. There, You are so beholden to your parents at one point to fulfill their destiny, and, right. and, and you either see the rebel or you see the one who followed through every step of the way. Right, right. right. So you see that a lot, right? I do. And so, well, this guy's position was... He f- he had just enough opening and heard my videos and stuff that there was something in him that had been aware enough that maybe this isn't who I am. Now, there's other type of people who have no awareness that that's who they are, that it's just I'm going to be a doctor because mom said that. Right. There's no part of them that can see that this might be a little nuts. So it's actually fine because if you are matching your level of awareness, you're going to be fine. So if you're aware... You're, you're never going to be dissatisfied with right. yourself. <laughs> what sucks sometimes is when your awareness actually is really high, you know, like when you're looking at something awareness is like a foot in the door that never leaves and if you're sitting here going for instance if you've gone gotten really fit before let's say you got down to 160 pounds and then as time went on you got lazy and you got back up to 250 or something like that you're now not only 250 pounds but you're totally aware you could be 160 pounds which causes so much more stress in the fact that you're 250 right right does that make sense it makes total sense yeah and so so what i mean by awareness is like he just there's some people that are like of course i'm just supposed to be a doctor and they just become it and then that's great there's other people that go there's something more more that I'm not being now that causes an added like opening and but to possibility but also a total fear of losing what they thought was their identity so this guy's position was his parents want him to be a doctor he has a calling going there's something in me that I'm not being right now so what I was like with him he worked with me for two days at this thing and I realized his next position is he just needs to basically forgive himself forgive his parents for and and see why they did that because there was a lot of repression and anger towards his parents and he needed to see why his mom did what he they'd been flown out from vietnam during the war like all this stuff so he had to see her position in this and then he totally started tearing up and forgave her and realized she wasn't actually being a monster on him she was scared to death that he wouldn't be happy and so now he saw love in the situation which freed him up which was crazy. Then there's another guy that has been through so many experiences that he has a total passion in him that he, from his experiences, he wants people to know like how many people are out to screw you over financially. Now, this is his calling from his experiences. So there's just parts of him that are scared and he's more like the DeLorean back to the future when the brakes are on it and the tires are spinning <laughs> and all I want to do with him is release his brakes. Right, right. Does that make sense? Absolutely. But the first guy, I don't want to release his brakes because all he's been is on high Hyperdrive, but not from his guidance, from his parents' to guidance. Right. Does that make sense? So what happens to him? I mean, how, how does he, you know, pump the brakes slightly as opposed to just right. slamming them? How, how does, because look, I'm in, uh, this is res- resonates this with is me. This is cool, isn't it? This is great I'm because this fun. resonates with me because I, 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 w- without feeling bitter or, or anything about it, I feel like I am that guy that has always known my potential and not realized it and been very aware of it the whole time. And that, and, that, and then you put that extra layer of, oh, I should have been doing this. Oh, I should have been doing that. Right. While at the same time having a very successful career in something I never <laughs> intended to do. Right. And it's not until literally right now in my this portion of my life that I am following through on things that satisfy me. Sure. Doing this right here, right now yeah. is one of those things. I get more out of this. 
um, personally than anything I've done in a long, maybe ever. Right. And I get zero money out of it, um, unless you're going to leave a little something yeah, on the table yeah, on the well, way out. Well, got, just a fiber, brought, something. Cool. Um, you know, we're going to plug your shit. So, uh, you know. Um, yeah, no, I, you got it. Uh, but, but, but I get that. And, right. And I... And I and I'm okay with leaving all that other stuff behind. I know this is late in life to kind of do a. a that's a belief. Yeah, that it's late in life. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. Is 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 that's what the thing that's been placed on me. Right. The 52 year. Oh, I just gave it away. The 52 years old is is generally too late to reinvent yourself. But I think that the reason 52 and that the, those ages feel that way is because everyone before you that hit 52 believed it's too late. Yeah. Because I can give you examples of people that started living their lives and impacting people at 70. Like Louise Hay is an author who started her company Hay House at something like, I don't know the age, but something like 65 to 70-ish. She created Hay House Publishing, which publishes Wayne Dyer and all these incredible authors and stuff like that. This woman started in her it, In her 70s. Yeah, I'd have to look up. I'm not positive but it's over 60 i know yeah, that yeah and but the problem is the second we go a be- we have a belief you know tony robbins says too young goes into too old in one night <laughs> you know i'm too young to do this i'm too young now i'm too old and it's yeah. just a belief there's just a sentence but when you believe that too basically that's a that's still a mental thought that basically who you are is your age i mean you know it, that that matters in our society We've created a world of where things matter is what society all agrees on. And it's craziness. Like there was a woman talking to me the other day and she said to me, um, she said, so I'm trying to figure out what my purpose is. And I thought, how, how, what a burden that is. Yeah, that, that is, right? You know, like that you're going to, from your limited perception of yourself, find this thing over here that's a better thing than now. Because what she's doing right now is her purpose, her seeking, her asking, her being. And what she doesn't understand is when she walks into a room, everyone lights up. Now, is that out of purpose because it's not instantly monetizable? It's not something that society says, well, that's going to be a doctor or that's going to be. I said, you are a purpose. Like and and if we looked at the stars at night, this is such a funny point and such a weird thing, and it's so airy fairy what I'm saying, but I really like it. If we looked at the stars at night and you see all these beautiful stars, wouldn't it be weird if we found out that the stars secretly had an agreement that 98% of the stars actually thought they were totally unworthy and they worshipped 2% of the stars <laughs> and there was like a TMZ star that followed the 2% of the stars around and they saw themselves differently or when you hand someone 12 flowers you're looking at 12 beautiful things you don't sit there and go well these 10 suck and these two you know I want to see a reality I, show about them I would rather see these two flowers more often thank yeah. you very much you, ten, you other 10 right. can go away yeah exactly so who we who we see we are is what society said like this person's more worthy or less pers- worthy than this person and really when I see now more and more what I see is that you, me, a homeless guy in Obama have nothing different except, and we're all just a heart and a body. And when you start seeing things from that way, it sounds corny at first, but man, does it open you up to possibilities because you're not looking with this, you know, lightning bolt vision in one direction. You see opportunities in everything. You're on the airplane on the way to a gig and you see people on the plane and you see them as an opportunity to work with or talk to. And you start flowing in the moment more versus trying to get your agenda done to match what society says you need to yes. become. See, now this is why I wanted to talk to you, because <laughs> this is the stuff when you and Pete were talking. I, I mean, I, I had this three and a half hour drive and I listened to you and Pete talking about like every 15 minutes I would go, yes, I would just pump my fist. It was like you guys would hit on a topic. And it's like, I don't hear people talking about this. And one of the yeah, things it kills me because yeah. it feels very the most obvious for me. It, it, yes. And it's also so 
it's such a release to mm-hmm. be able to kind of say these things out loud. And again, you, you, people can say it feels airy fairy, but we're but these are and that's these, a belief that stops us from yeah, know, you know it's what ridiculous. I mean. No, these are genuine human emotions that we just manipulate and push out of the way because we feel like we have to say and think a certain way. And this isn't about spirituality necessarily. This isn't about a god or a thing because we'll get to that right. a little bit. Yeah, this I'll is happily. This is that. all about just what's coming from from right in here. Uh, and yes. and 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 the way our brains manipulated into what we feel like it's supposed to be. Yes. And here's my point: uh, uh, every conversation I've had in this room has been with somebody who has reached a level of quote success, um, however you measure that. And, and it's not about their their worth or whatever, but they've ended up doing something that they really love doing, right? And 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 have been good at, and right. and they fed each other. They were good at it, so they got successful at it. Right. They were successful at it because they were good at it. And it's usually the same thing. They they worked really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, they recognized at one point that the thing that they thought they were supposed to do turned into something else. Right. I mean, I, and one of the things, and I, somebody else, I think, um, what's the guy's name? Mike Rowe, the Dirty Jobs yeah, guy? Yeah. He just had this big diet, uh, this uh, kind of big rant on, on the internet about how he has disparaged the idea of uh, dream big, follow your dreams, that thing. Because there couldn't be anything more disappointing than having this one thing that you aspire right. to because you'll probably be constantly frustrated that you don't get that one thing. Right. And and the point I've made with everyone I've talked to, bar none, has been um, what you thought you were going to be, you became something completely different. But because you were willing to adapt the dream along the way and, and embrace that thing that came along, the first one that came to mind is Ralph Garman, who's on K-Rock, on Kevin and Bean Show, uh-huh. right? Um, hilarious guy. Voice guy, he does voices on the Family Guy. He does impressions. He's working with Kevin Smith on their own podcast. He's best friends with yes. Adam West, who played the original Batman, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. and he was a Batman fanatic as a kid. When he was a kid, he wanted to be an actor. He thought he was going to be a serious, dramatic actor. Comedy didn't enter into it until it kind of got thrown at him, and he went, "Oh, I can get in front of people. Maybe I can get some laughs. Oh, maybe I can do a voice." Right, and then boom, 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 just this. Pop, 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 all the way along to where he's doing these things he would have never thought about right. and couldn't be happier in his life. And almost everyone along the way that I've talked to has had that same thing happen. And so I, I pull inspiration out of that, which is, and, I, and you touched on this with Pete, too, which is that I don't need to know all the answers. I don't really yeah. have to know what the end goal is. Right. I'm really excited about the journey, and all I'm going to do is just embrace the stuff that I get really excited about, that I can control from the standpoint of this is the thing that I get to put out into right. the world. And I really am embracing the idea that if I believe it's something worth doing, then somebody else is going to have to embrace it as well. Sure. Okay? So yeah. There, <sighs> I would say... <laughs> am I, does any of that yeah, kind of con- here's, connect with you? Here's the way I move mostly now. Is, is And obviously there's times where I totally slip off of this, but the way that I move mostly, first of all, is I, I've really adapted to... A, a belief of I don't know and I'm okay with that. Yes, I think I said that on Pete's thing. You said, especially when it came to death, and that was uh, you, that was one of the last things you guys talked to. Yeah, and I never hear anybody say this. Yeah, and I am always telling people like this, and they look at me sideways. I am more at peace 
with the idea of not knowing right. than having to know. Yes. Because it just allows me to live a little bit more just quietly and right. peacefully and be okay with what I'm doing now well, as opposed to needing to know. Because here's my point. I'll let you talk. Yeah, sure. No, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm loving this. I am pretty sure that as human beings, as great as we are and as, and as, and as you know, fabulous as our minds are, that uh, we are nowhere near smart enough to comprehend what else is out there, right. that the, the vastness of whatever this universe might be. Look, we got it wrong for, for hundreds, of, <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah. Uh, uh, the sun revol- revolved around the earth. Oh, that was wrong. Uh, right. you know, we continue to you know, split the atom and get smaller and smaller and whatever. Uh, we'll always be searching. We'll always be looking. We'll always be trying to find the answers. Right. We'll always not quite have the final one. My wife tries to talk to me about quantum physics and these things. She's really fascinated with that stuff and how they're finding the God particle and all these other theorems and things. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Cool. I'm really okay with not knowing the answers to where we go when we die, to whether there's a God or not. I really am absolutely certain that we're not equipped to understand those massive questions and answers our minds have a beginning and an end to them that are not that are more limited obviously there's things that our minds can't see at all and uh, that are we can't see past this room right now Right, right we can't and and the idea that it's our job to know something that we can't i we only first of all emotionally move based on only what we've experienced not what we've researched or heard what someone told us you know, and for some reason, sometimes people can tell us something over and over and over again, and then we'll believe it. But still, there's a part of us in our body that goes, come on, or I don't know. It just goes, I don't know. There's things that I do know from my experiences, but at the same time, I don't even know what the cause of that experience right. was, right. Right? right? For instance, there was a time where I ate raw vegan for 90 days. And I shifted. My, it, this I is sh- recently, this, right? This was in 2011, but I'm back on right now. Okay. Now, none of me is telling people they should do it. <laughs> but I know for me that when I went raw vegan 90 days, the experiences that I had were not – were had first of all, after a while, had nothing to do with the raw vegan. But it basically started this exponential revelation about all kinds of stuff because – when I would go raw vegan, I'd go 90 days, right? I said, I'm going to eat raw vegan for 90 days. Now, the reason this was so insane to me was the first week, I couldn't believe how addicted I was to cooked food. The second <laughs> week, you know, the second week, I would be with my friends. Now, this is usually everyone else's excuse for why they don't want to do it. But to me, I wanted to see what was beyond this. When I was with all my friends and they would eat pizza like crazy and they'd eat all this bad food. I wouldn't be able to because I made a deal with myself. Now, people would think, well, you don't get to connect to your friends. Well, now what I'm realizing is, holy crap, I'm not eating because I'm hungry. I'm eating because of my emotional connection to people. Right. So I'm not even listening to my body. I'm listening to my friend's fear. Like, that's where we're connecting on is this fear-based, <laughs> oh, I've had the worst day. I need to get a drink. I need to get ice cream. You're eating bad. You're, you're killing your body because you can't just feel some emotions for a minute. So now I started going, oh, my God. And what I became friends with was a release of thinking of what the pile of piranhas around me were thinking, but instead connecting with my intention. Now I felt this power. At, by week three, I started discovering I can change what I, I'm addicted to because by week three, I actually, the sound of 
pizza was appalling. <laughs> and someone walked by with a hot dog, and all I smelled was metal and chemicals. Yes, yes. And I was just like, oh, my God, I can change my habits. So then I started noticing what else now feels as heavy as the cooked food felt. So I let go of Facebook for a while. I let go of dating. because I, And I started noticing all these powers. Now, at day 40, I had a moment where I was like, dude, doing comedy clubs on the road is uh, not the highest possible exciting thing for me so i said i'm done doing comedy clubs on the road and weirdly right when i said that i don't know if it's coincidence or synchronicity i don't know and i'm okay with that three auditions came into my phone right then (laughs) it was like i made space for it right but then in the freedom can i ask you about that sure do you believe in that sort of thing? I have no idea. Yeah, it doesn't matter? Yeah. Because re- people will say, oh, you know, close one door. Yeah. Open, yeah that, that well, sort I of do thing. know, I do know for sure that because I said I'm done doing comedy clubs on the road, my mind now had room to not think I have to get to the next gig, but instead go, what do we want to do for real? Because right. it wasn't attached to another thing that felt limiting to me at that point. You certainly wouldn't have been able to say yes to those audition, auditions probably had you been on the road, traipsing around all over the country. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And, but check this out. Once I let go of the comedy clubs, <laughs> this is what happened. I, you know, a comedy club You're pays. You're all hyper. I'm yeah, so tired it's exciting, today, and I'm the most excited I've been in a long time. That's go ahead, awesome. Go ahead. Keep talking. Keep Fall talk. in love with that. You're tired. Okay. Watch this. You're supposed to be tired. Oh, shut up. It's cool. No, shut it up, works. Kyle. No, you no, like this. No, I hate being tired. I want to take a nap, but I'm too excited yeah. now. Yeah. Well, check this out. So. <laughs> At one point, I realized... Fall in love with being tired. Yeah. All right. Because it's not our tired. It's our resistance to being tired. No, you know what? I I, I agree with you. The best writing, sometimes the best radio shows I've ever done, have been when I'm exhausted. Mm -hmm. And that's maybe it's just the release. Because I'm tired, the release of all the things that normally I would clamp down on in terms of kind of narrowing my my focus. Um, Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Well, one of the things that we... Damn you. One of the things that we do all the time is we we add more resistance to what is. What is is you're tired, right? But what's the real problem a lot of times is we think we shouldn't be. And that puts more weight on the fact that we're tired. And yeah. it makes us more tired because we get into resistance to what is. And all I've, all I've been thinking about all morning is uh, how do I get a catnap in? Or you know, how am I going to survive this? I can't wait until I get off the air at 7 o'clock so I can go to, to, go to right. sleep. And that's all I've been projecting. Yeah. So, so you're adding the exhaustion of thinking later would be better than now. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> that's right. I wish... Exactly right. It, right. I have to go through all this other stuff right. to get to that. Right, but doesn't it feel good to no, just fall in love I'm with No, here I am. I'm so tired? enjoying this, yeah. and I feel a thousand times better. Yeah. All right, so where Thank were you. we? So, so food uh, changed. So, so check so, this out. So, so after you got I, off the road. I, got off, I said, I'm done doing comedy clubs on the road because something in me felt um, – not in alignment with performing, you know, for, for drunk people in Missouri next week, you know. <laughs> I can't so, imagine why you would feel that yeah. way. Yeah, and even though it paid great and it was something that at one point I had decided was my dream career, at one point I said there's something bigger. Right. And for me, I know we, I believe very much we always evolve. We're always learning new things and we start to see things differently. Many people are scared to evolve, so they hold on as tight as they can to things or get addicted to stuff as a way to stop it. But I said, because I'm evolving... You start to feel things that at one point were really exciting to you start to feel heavy to you. So a relationship sometimes can take that toll or a job that you one time really wanted and you start to go, this job actually isn't the highest fulfillment of me. But we hold on to it. And the reason I'm, I'm coming up with for me is that 
you, you, we hold on to things because when we're about to let go of something, the only thing our mind can measure is what we will lose. It can't measure what you'll gain. So we will see the loss of one person in a breakup versus the gain of 7 billion people if you're bisexual and willing to date anyone. <laughs> so, <laughs> And if you throw in the animal kingdom. Then right. Yeah. It's, it's, all, it's the, like 10 like more. The ripple effect yeah. is amazing. It depends. If it's in a few years with the instinct or the extinct animals it's there's going to be less animals is my joke oh that's a bummer yeah but if people would listen to this crap they'd start to we'd have more animals we'd say, later. that's right if you if people were more listening to us talk about actually having animal sex right. somehow we would be we'd saving more, more animals <laughs> that's what i meant not that's just, what, i just meant if people were in their purpose we'd go back to oh i see yeah but i like your <laughs> conclusion but what so this is what happened this, right, this maybe is maybe i'm interpreting everything wrong i don't know go when, ahead when i when i let go of the comedy clubs it scrambled something in me that basically I felt – a part of me that thought I have to be a certain way fell off. And that made room for this space in me that said, well, what what am I good at? What are some things I love to do? And this, this room showed up where I said, well, you still are a comic of 25 years and – you know this transformation stuff. Like, it, you live it every second. This is your truth for you now. So what if I combined comedy and transformation and created, like, a, first of all, like, a lecture college tour, like, where I've done 800 colleges. So what if I present to the colleges, like, I will come and do a lecture for your school, but in a comedic way. Because, you know, usually motivation is often boring or it's a recovering 60-year-old alcoholic who, you know, whatever. And so college kids aren't listening to it. But what if the guy from Comedy Central was funny and could wake him up at the same time. So I created this thing called the Wake Up College Tour, where it was just this right down the middle thing where it was comedy and then a point, comedy and then a point. So they'd enjoy it and be in a heightened state and enjoy it. And then I came up with this idea that opened up the week after I had just said I'm done with comedy clubs. I came up with this idea to make a video for the advisor of every single college in in the country and and i ended up making about 500 of the videos and people and i spent a week like making a video like hi this is for diane johnson of north idaho university i want to show you this thing i'm doing hi this is blah 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 and i told them also we're going to document this and we're going to make a documentary we did document it but we haven't finished it yet but we said if you want me to come speak at your school we're interested now people thought this was crazy because people were like why are you just making a video for people like go do the for sure comedy club that pays you $3,500 for the weekend. Right. Well, I ended up sending that out and I got a hundred colleges to book me between five and 10 grand each. Right. So now all of a sudden I'm making way more money doing what I love in a field where there's no competition. Right. Yeah. This, created, is, this is completely unique. Right. For for that that level, that age group, that, that right. target. And yeah. and people are so busy saying how that they look at what's been done and then they enter the cattle world of where all the competition is versus creating an industry yes. or a field that is what you actually effortlessly do. And is, is you know, I'm sitting here going, as a comic meets transformation speaker, first of all, no one can fake either of those. You can't fake 20 years of stand-up, and you can't fake a real sh- a shift in your awareness. So it's like, well, there's 5.61 million companies in America alone. They'd, I'm sure they would love to hire me to come wake their team up and make them laugh. they save money on both speakers they'd have for that year. <laughs> Two different guys doing yeah. the same thing, right? And so this has created this massive boom in my career where I'm just doing what 
I love. In and by the way, there's no rules in how I do it. I can work with anyone because I can see an opportunity just by showing up and co-creating with anyone. In you can ways adapt to, to whatever the situation is, right? And the response in the rooms, in the auditoriums, in the halls are insane. Yeah, insane. And and there you sh- there's a video people can see online called the Wake Up College Tour. Yeah, I want people Kyle to go watch sees. that. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's cool because you can see you can see how it started developing and you can see the kids like really excited about it and and kind of having this real aware moment where they're not just hearing a lecture from places of trying to figure out how things work because most lectures are like quantum physics is this way and this way that's not that no one yes people do care about that but then they just get obsessed with seeking that and still don't live their freaking what their soul wants to do like that it's great to know those things as a way to move forward in your life but then when you make that method your god or your source of happiness it's bizarre to me how many people say they believe in the universe or they believe in God or whatever, and they do everything they can to delegate their abilities to, well, it's my Virgo sign that I can't clean. <laughs> or it's, <laughs> you, you are this unlimited thing, and you're making everything outside of you more powerful than you. What, in your experience now, Kyle, having done this and talked to so many people, is this an American thing? Is this a, a, a human thing. thing? I think it's a human thing. Human societal thing? where you I mean I, um, my, my wife got me for a little while into the uh, rich dad poor dad stuff sure uh, he was as an entrepreneur <clears throat> thing he was saying you are taught in school um, learn these things move on yeah. you get the job you become a success you you and 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 it's been it's kind of this group collective right this is kind of the way you go it's not overtly that way but it is kind of the formula as opposed to the yeah. think outside the box think for yourself be the individual now right we can't again we can't all be oprah and we can't all necessarily be that guy maybe can, can we well this is something I say that basically comes from my experience and gets a lot of crap from comics and controversy. But I believe very much that most of us have experienced saying something at one point in our lives in a bar or in a restaurant that was like Comedy Central level funny, right? Just <laughs> right. everyone, every person, most people can go. I remember that time where I just was so in a high space rant about an ex or a political thing. And this whole bit came out. And everybody around right? me was dying at what I was saying. Right. That makes me kind of wonder if that's available all the time. In other words, if they said it once. Now, the difference between most people and a comic is that they they had it just flukely happen and they didn't pay attention to it. The factor in what made them funny was the good mood they were in. In other words, when you're in a good mood, you can make anything work. A couple that's just falling in love makes everything work. You could hear every yellow flag, but you'll be like, that's fine. And because you're just so excited to become in love <laughs> with the person. That. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you'll, so one, even if it's they, whether they have something in common, oh my God, you love apples. I love apples too. We'll just go get apples all day. Or if one of us hates apples, okay, I'll eat all the apples and you don't. Opposites attract. We're so Now, if you're always in a good mood, you can make anything work. That's just always how it happens. And so that doesn't mean Ned Flanders' good mood. I don't mean repress stuff. Right, right. I mean face your sh- – your- can I swear on the show? Oh, of course. Okay, face your stuff. You say anything you want. Stuff. Why, so, why didn't you say shit? I know. Well, my joke was that stuff was the swear word. Oh. It was a curveball. See? 
I did a comedy. I keep forgetting curveball. you're really funny. Yeah, oh. yeah, I, have, I know. <laughs> That's I gotta a, remember that, right? Damn um, it, Kyle. I'm sorry. Can we start over? Sure. Hey, Kyle C's here. Uh, great. I'm to hosting see you. it when we start. Boy, over. did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to be here, Kyle. Yeah. Um, but 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 not everybody has an innate ability. The thing that lead- by the way, I don't say I'm not saying it's just comedy. I'm saying that we all have these things when we're in a good mood that just start to come out of us. Skills, but and not stuff everybody that. can be a great singer. Not everybody. I mean, the things they like to say, you have a God-given talent to blah blah, and a lot. And of course, comics are going to say not everybody can be a comic. So here's where I, I really get some crap. Maybe I don't know. Maybe Go I for said it. that, so I'll get it more. But I've had more stuff. You'll I've get had some stuff. four friends in my life that when I met were tone deaf. Okay, they would sing along with song. They couldn't hear anything. Right. Mm-hmm. As people start to get more into the moment and start to actually not hear, just get in the moment as a tactic to nail your audition or job interview next week. They live the moment. And you start to actually get in tune. Your antenna goes up and you hear things clearer. And the four friends that I've hung out with for a while and started working with now can harmonize with me. There's people that actually do. I do actually kind of wonder. Now, there are things that I get that there's circumstances that make you unable to do stuff. Sure. Like Physi- I get physical, a three foot yeah. person's going to have a hard time dunking a ball. But that's but basketball's also a man-made thing. Right. So right, right. I so there's things that we can't do in certain areas that were also man-made. But I do think that whether or not there are things we can or can't do, there are billions of things we can do that we're not using. So the idea is that this, um, this sounds to me very similar to the creative book I've, I, I really love, actually. The, uh, uh, Artist's Way? Uh, no, The War of Art. The War of Art, yes, yeah. the book on resistance. Uh, resistance. Well, uh. one of the things I think that we have a problem with is trying to control everything we can't and then not controlling everything we can. So we love to get mad at what a football team did or what Justin Bieber said as an example again or or just what has happening in other countries. Yes, those things are sad, but being at home, being mad about it is actually keeping you at the same vibration or the same place or the same feeling that as limitation. It cuts off your good mood and creates you to not be a source of love for people that need you for healing and stuff like that, right? Absolutely. So so when you bring in your resistance to what is because you're trying to control everything that you can't control control and not controlling anything you can for instance you're talking crap behind people's back but not looking them in the eye and telling them what they want or there's things you intellectually know that you could become but you're not emotionally meeting what you could intellectually become so you go from understanding you could to knowing you can and are in your body then you end up in resistance all day to yourself and it's weird because you can be 300 pounds and either be completely okay and in love with that you're 300 pounds or choose to get really healthy. But what's insane is most people are overweight, as a typical example, and are constantly saying they wish they weren't. And then and, – and- and so angry at themselves right. for doing the thing that makes them what they all day, yeah. Which creates more stress in your body, right. which makes you want to eat more. Yes, right. right. And the reason we get addicted to anything is because we are feeling one thing that we know we could do. We're doing the opposite of it. This creates us to constantly be in the past and future. Like I'm not doing it because of this thing in the past, or I will do this diet starting tomorrow, and constantly thinking of past and future. And in your being in the past and future. An addiction is something that gets you in the moment, right? So when you get drunk, you feel buzzed and you stop being in the past and future finally. If you watch a movie, you're tuned into the movie and then you attribute that you got in the moment 
to that thing. So now you accidentally think that thing is the source of your happiness. But if you learn to understand that you're not your thoughts, this is my belief, is that your thoughts can come through. But you just... Ooh, I like that. Wait, let's say that again. You are not your thoughts. Right. Your thoughts come through. Yeah. So like the the victims don't understand that their thoughts are running them. The achiever gets that they can steer their thoughts. But beyond that, you can get that you're not your thoughts. Imagine if you just start to see it as you're the sky and your thoughts are like a cloud coming through. So you sit in your couch and you just close your eyes and a thought comes through and it's like, how long am I going to do this? Who's talking? A thought. A thought based on your perception of who you used to be. You see yourself as someone who makes 50000 a year, so you're very limited in your belief of what you could be right now. But you're actually just this moment. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when your thoughts are coming through, you could just be a space for the thoughts, right? Now I do, I often meditate, I sit and I just allow these thoughts to come through very often. And this is like taking your mind to the gym. You just sit there and a thought comes through and goes, what if this doesn't work out? What if who's talking a thought, but if you could just allow the thought and not be in resistance to it, because what keeps a thought there is you being in resistance to it. You trying to, to fight, push it back. Right. And, and that just actually just aggravates it, right. basically. Yeah, because the more... Just scratching the rash. Because if I say right now, I hope that that light over there doesn't fall out and land on our heads, now that's all we're thinking of. Yeah. And the more I hope that it doesn't, the more that's all I can picture. But if I just allow that thought to come through, that thought of what if I screw up during this talk, that thought of what if uh, she doesn't like me on the date, and you just love the thought, because guess what I'm really even realizing? We aren't even addicted to a person. We're addicted to the thought of a person. Sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's really usually the image that we've built up in our own minds about what they're what they are, what they're supposed to be or what we think they were. Right. And that's probably in relationships why so many of them go a little sour is that, again, you're not willing to adapt to what the real person is right. when you find start to find out what they are. I mean, they might end up being a horrible person and you just have to kind of, you know, cut right. yourself off from that. But what about being okay with the person they are, even though they're not exactly who you thought they that's, were. That's huge because... There must have been something that made you guys connect, and that can be and should be enough right. for you to work past the, oh, oh okay, they're, they weren't this thing I built up in my head, but I know that we have something we can build on there. Well, I think a reason that new couples go from major high to major low is because like right away you have an expectation. You've created, you have a good first date and your mind goes, here's what's going to happen now. They're going to always love me. They're going to blah, blah, blah. And no person can live up to the burden to being the exact right. thing you want or your ultimate source of happiness. But that's what we do for we do everything. It all the time. We do it for everything. We do it for the job that we thought we were. So we do it for the gig. We do it for right. the thing that pays the more money and that we think is going to satisfy. We do it for the right. thing we buy and the car we bring in and the house we continue to expand and right. get bigger and bigger. And that's why the greatest thing that can happen sometimes is for you to let it fall apart. Because if it falls apart and you go through this dark low, then you realize you're still alive the next day. Then you then you suddenly go, wait, that my, my I'm still okay and my habitual claw of happiness is not on that thing anymore because it's done. And then and then that claw doesn't have to be sometimes we don't look for that we don't allow what that could mean and let that claw just leave. We go right to the next person that we think is better than the first one, so we change our circumstances all the time and stay codependent. But it's when things just actually go beyond your control that you realize life is way better when I don't have control when I still have intention that's different 
you know, you right. don't you don't go. I don't have control, so you get drunk all day and everything. Your intention is to, instead of my intention to be to connect and make some giant focused goal, instead have the intention to move forward. Like I have events coming up, and every person I see, I get in a conversation with, and often just invite them to the next event. I, at one point, I end up having a sold out event. It's full of my hairdresser and the guy at the gas station, and <laughs> you know, like, everything's an opportunity. Yeah, and. And so, Am I invited? You can yeah. invite me. Oh, can, I'd can I come? love for you to come. Okay. Man. I would be honored to have right. you there. I'm yeah. so excited about doing that. I, I uh, we're, I honestly feel like we could talk forever, and I hate to uh, after talking about not putting restrictions on things. Uh, I'm going to have to go soon. Well, we should, I, I, I'm always here to do more with you, man, because but, I love, I, I love your. Uh, I, I can feel where you are in your life. A yeah, lot, and, and it's really interesting. And, and I cool. just, and I don't know that I have that many people to connect with in a way where I, I'm, I'm, I'm searching right now I'm yeah. st- I still feel like I, I mean excited because I'm more excited about more things all the time right now and my wife and I both have just done a couple of things like I was just telling about the house you, we bought and where it is and what she's doing that was a big leap yeah that that and, that and cool. almost everybody we talked to about it have gone why would you go is up that there a, is, that a, is that a good idea or is that a, yeah. you guys okay and it's like it as as scary as it was, it's been the best thing we've ever done. And it was embracing the uh, the most obvious answers to the most obvious questions we had. Well, what's going to make her happy? What's going to make me happy? What what are the what is the, how is how is it how is the best way to handle this for us as opposed to what we think everybody else should be thinking we right. should do? It was stupidly obvious. Well, when you when you picture And we're reveling in that now. And I'm trying to kind of embrace that in yeah. every other thing I do. With each decision I make, I always ask myself, like, this sounds funny to say, but how deeply can I feel it in my body? Yeah. Because if I'm thinking of a decision that I should do, it's almost like my mom is talking in my brain or what society said I should do. Right. I got to be practical and make money for security or I got to do this thing here or there. So sometimes, like, if you ask a lot, like a lot of my clients, like, they we were like, what should, what, what do you feel like doing? And at first it was like, should I go this way or this way? And at one point it was just like, I want to go to a cabin for a month and just close my eyes. And that, like, you could feel in the whole body and it was because your mind you know i almost believe there's two parts of us and there's a first part of our, our our body that just tells us something exciting we could do but it can't tell you why because you've never done it and then there's a second voice that shows up and tells you why you shouldn't because it sees what you'll lose right away so the first voice says like what if we leave this company right now it just doesn't fulfill me it's not using me at my best I don't know why but I feel bigger now that feeling is a preview it's saying when you yes. leave it you're going to always feel this because way because it goes back to what you were saying before is that you 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 place only what you've experienced already on on the thing you're projecting to to do before so you get, so you have that feeling of that excitement, but there's that scariness of I don't know how it's going to go. Right. So you take every you take only the things you've experienced and push that onto right. the thing you don't know yet. So that's where, where you whereas, measure what you'll lose. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the thing that you're feeling that 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 scariness is the best way I can put it because I'm not very eloquent. But the scariness, but also at the same time, the thing that you get excited about that you don't have any experience to base on is really the one you should you should right. grab onto because the first voice is like. Yeah, it's to to give people an example. Like, if you feel you should leave this company, but you you the scary thing is I can't see why. Usually, we stay there obviously because we want to make money, but we don't realize how much money we're losing by staying in a job we don't like. Right. Because we're in resistance to ourselves all day. So in that resistance, our mind has no idea for creative intuition and is replaced by internal justification of why you're staying there. 
So you're constantly sitting there going, well, it is good that I'm dating this person because we did have that one memory in Monterey, or it's good that I'm with this person because we had that one fun time when we saw the band Chicago. But you're not actually <laughs> – actual examples for me. But you're, <laughs> but you're not actually um, – noticing like when you finally clear that type of because if you're doing something you don't want to do you have to justify it all day because you're actually ignoring your guidance system this feeling in you that says let's let's let go of this i want to feel more evolved i want to feel bigger i want to feel new so that the second voice will show up and it'll justify why you shouldn't now this is the learned voice so the first voice goes let's leave this company and the second voice goes yeah but they're having the cheesecake factory party next week and we want the free thai lettuce wraps and the, and that's why people again will, personal experience. Yeah, that, totally. Yeah. Okay, but then because they're the lettuce, they're really great. good. They're really good. But the first voice, if can't tell you this, this is where faith comes in in whatever. But the first voice is like, if you learn to listen to me, you could own all the cheesecake factories in a month. <laughs> like you can't see that it can't. It's exponentially trying to give you that. That feeling is a feeling, and I'm not labeling it. I'm not saying that's God talking or something. But it is mind blowing to me how many people that I was saying earlier say the universe or whatever and they believe in this faith and then they totally ignore a calling yes right, right. so so there's people all day that say stuff like you know i want to divorce my husband but i'm looking for a sign i had a client actually say that mm-hmm. and i'm like the fact you want to divorce him's the sign how about the how about the sentence you just said yeah yeah don't wait till you drive by divorce your husband <laughs> avenue like actually follow that you just said you don't want to be with him well, that's oh boy, we got a whole talk about religion. I'd love to get into uh, and, yeah. and and what that does to people, and and not to be all you know Bill Murray and uh, you know that sort of thing. But sure. I but I think but it but it's it's pretty much anything that is kind of implanted upon you from the outside that doesn't allow yes. you to exp- to listen to the voice that his, is telling you the right direction almost all the time, almost all the time. Right. Well, when you feel, when you have any type of revelation, or it's almost in a way a breakthrough when you fall in love with someone, right? Now you've, you thought you were totally going to be alone and then you suddenly have someone. Right. What happened is you internally evolved. You feel better and you're attributing it to that person. Religion is a great example of a place where you go, you listen to silence, you have an opening, you feel really good, and there's someone right there that can go, that's Jesus. <laughs> right. <laughs> right in yeah, that moment. What you experienced just there, yeah. that's fill in the blank. You know, for me, my one of the biggest moments I had was going from a suicidal anxiety to going to a Tony Robbins convention and feeling so excited and motivated and driven and turning that, suicid- that suicidal anxiety into a number one Comedy Central special. So for two years, I thought, and that was around when I called you, I thought... Tony Robbins is the reason why I'm happy. Now, he's amazing, but there's nothing in me that knows that, that I get that it, the other factors that were involved were I was at a low, I went there, I suddenly went to a high, I was open to hearing this. Right. You know, all these other things were there, and I evolved. So what religion is, is, is a great way to get people to open up, but then tell them that they're the cause of it. And then people will defend that feeling for life, no matter what they can tell you it is. So, and I, and I, I'm sorry for people that are, think I'm knocking that. I, I absolutely am supportive at the same time of people going through what they need to go through. No, I am too. I respect people, people's, I respect people of faith because I understand what, what they're looking for. And I understand that, that when, when they get it, it's satisfying to them. Uh, It's, 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 it's when it takes 
the opposite right. turn because well, it can it can it can it can damage you uh, in in ways that I think are and we've seen it around the world constantly right. where religion can be a very damaging thing based upon what this fervent belief that they think they're being told. Right. Well, every one of us has had the experience of feeling really good and then telling other people that they have to experience it. Right. Right. <laughs> oh, you can't well, believe what I just, well, are you, aren't you afraid of the same thing happening? I mean, you had a lot of pushback for instance. And oh, I, that's God, what caused God, the biggest shift. Yeah. We, uh, um, because that's where I was in a position when comics started giving me crap about what yeah. I was doing. Doug Stanhope, and, and people can yeah. look this up and also t- hear about it on P. Holmes' podcast. I'll, yeah. I'll give him another plug. Uh, but, Doug but Stanhope, and I also saw a little battle. Yeah, you and Doug are good. Yeah. I saw you and Matt Besser have a little battle on Twitter for a sure. while there. And uh, he's and, somebody I respect a lot. And he and I do, too, And actually. he just didn't understand at all how you could be doing what you were doing. Right. And there were points that I think at times they made that I didn't see in myself, and right. I now I'm really thankful they were called out. You and, know, and we were talking about the um, the stand up kind of stand up boot camp kind of thing you were doing. Well, at I the created time. I the most I knew at that point was I had gone through this Tony Robbins shift where I actually went from suicidal anxiety to number one Comedy Central special, and then I was rated through a series of strategies that I had come up with. I was rated the number one comic in 2009 on the stand-up showdown thing. The reason was I said, if you vote for me in the stand-up showdown, I'll thank you by name in a podcast. And I actually got 238,000 votes in two weeks (laughs) and won. And I got so driven in this point, like, God, we can do anything. And so I was in more of an achiever mindset than where I am now and wanted to teach comics this. At this point, this involves – this, this is such another conversation, but this involves around the time I called you and then ended up talking to Louis Anderson and he and I ended up partnering. Right. We created this thing called Stand Up Boot Camp that I actually still really loved and, and look at. And immediately comics come from a place of authenticity and cynicism, yeah, which is great. You can't teach that and you can't put yeah. – you know. In- plant somebody's uh you know style or blueprint on somebody else and so they thought it was a scam and and when you and that's because often when something in our world is positive you must be in a cult right like we live in a world where you say it's nice outside and everyone's like what are you a scientologist like it's pretty out and you're like man you know i really enjoyed that restaurant like someone's drinking the kool-aid i'm just happy (laughs) god damn it like can't i just say a nice thing are you happy i am i am so thankful for where I am and so euphoric very frequently. And people often believe that you can't be that happy all the time. And I actually believe that they're right in certain areas for them. If there's something in us that we have to clear out or there's a resistance to something from our childhood, sometimes we often repress it and we look at we don't look it in the eye and it's scary. There's things that people have done to us that we just go into denial on and it causes us to feel and, and that causes us to bring a lot of lack of happiness to the situation. I've looked a lot of my things in the eye and, and there's still a ton of things that come up. But overall, like... Like, I took the biggest emotional shit I think that I need to take (laughs) that's causing me to actually get that most people are, in a way, we're all possessed by what we should do and we're ignoring what we are. So we have this kind of light possession in our minds of stress. And more and more, my happiness is in the moment. And it never, ever, it never... um, screws up like this the moment never right, right, disappoints me like right. a, like a 
like dating a person does and making them your god. I still will date. I'll still work for companies. I'll still do whatever. But my happiness and my source and my connection is me, not them. And so I'm not codependent on things as much. And when Ooh. when I go through something, you just give me a little chill, Kyle. Please, <laughs> you just re- you just resonated my t- my dingaling there. Oh, awesome! Whatever that. <laughs> <laughs> you can use that phrase. Oh, that's cool. Thank you. Mike. That's my. That, I want that on the front of my website. Uh, tell people, we, we have to wrap this up. Did sure. you tell the story that you wanted to tell that you said peripherally involved me somehow? Or It's so long. I might oh. have to do another episode All with right. you because it really, it's really amazing and it's caused – it was a time of my life that was crazy. But I, I will tell it next time because okay. it's, it, it takes about 15 minutes okay, to tell the Okay, so you story. will come back. Oh, I'd be honored to. I, I felt like we jumped around so many places, and I wanted to talk to you about like current stuff because we. You know, what we should do. Hmm. We should do like a series where, what if you want to, like the things you're going through yeah. and wanting to know with you. Like I'll personally like work with you on yeah. the air because I'm going through a lot right now. I, I'm I'm making some major changes right now. It's it's been. Um, and, and, and I'll, and I'll speak to one of the things you mentioned it cause it flashed into my head, uh, for years and years and cause we just mentioned Matt Besser. I have been a big fan of UCB and that whole, sure. in, you know, that the, the, the kind of improv they've been doing, um, working for the company where we are right now, Premiere, I would fly it to New York and before they even had the LA version and I would see the original four do their thing and I would see some of the other shows and I was really loving it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Always thought, oh, I wish I could do that. Oh, I should do that. Well, about Four or five years ago, I finally got to the point where it's like, well, I'm going to take those classes. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, now this is maybe like two or three years ago. Um, and I was 49, 50 years old. And it was that thing where I put that number on it. And I went in there going, oh, I'm going to be the oldest guy in the class. And I was the oldest guy in the class. Um, and guess what? Nobody cares. <laughs> no one cares. It's bizarre how much we think everyone cares what we're doing, and all they care about is what they look like. Yeah, and, what and, they're and doing. then once you get in that group, and 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 it is one of those great. I think improv in particular is one of those great situations where you do, if you're willing to do it, you you have to drop all the preconceived crap that you suddenly are having to kind of interact and listen. I mean, those those skills are so great day to day, no matter what. But also the kind of thing you're thinking about, which is um, listening to yourself in the moment is huge in improv, yes. as opposed to anything preconceived, anything. It's based upon your intelligence and your, and your experience, yeah. sure, but it's all coming from right then, right that well, moment. Well, um, like for me, what I I'm, I'm feel like I'm doing is almost like if life was an improv class. Right, right. And, and that includes bringing in improv and all the ways to present yourself all the different ways you can do work on your on yourself and externally work and create your career from like improv versus from what's been done so far and i feel like the people that do that become the steve jobs of the world and they start to get their guidance from themselves and their vision is is bigger but that's because in improv you're you're working in the moment with people. And that's why, by the way, in every comedy show and what the videos are that's the biggest videos are heckler videos because they're true spon- spontaneous <laughs> that's right. moments. That's true. And we're craving the moment. And that's why the biggest laughs are the heckler moments are a spontaneous thing mm-hmm. more than anything that's pre-structured. And that's why overall, I believe in our society, structure is starting to fall and the truth is starting to rise bigger and bigger and bigger. Interesting. You know, I mean, if you think about how much everywhere... 
It's just like when you look at for a YouTube video now, what do you look for? The most grainy, realistic video, Mm -hmm. a high produced video on YouTube. You feel like, oh, well, that's not going to have any truth moments. Yeah, it's been manipulated for me to respond to. Right. And we're we're becoming you're right. Even just the idea of these podcasts, just as podcasts have become more popular um, in in society and they're they're not marketed heavily. They are amorphous. They're an hour. Maybe they're an hour. Twenty. Who knows? They're as long as they're supposed to be. Right. They're rough around the edges. They're not heavily produced. Uh, more and more people are gravitating to things that are authentic right. and real and coming from a real place and not some sort of prefabbed, preordained right. thing. I mean, all of, all of that stuff, will somebody will try and manipulate it in that way eventually, and other things will grow out of that. But, but we can feel even when people try to be fake authentic yeah. or look spontaneous or, like, I, I don't have examples, but... You know, there's just so many videos that are supposed to look like when a when a company makes what looks like a YouTube video that's all spontaneous. You realize, oh shit, this is an yeah, ad for yeah. vitamin water. You know, like it's not. You know, like so our alarms are going off more our, and more. We're, well, so so, do you feel like as a society there is a little bit of of a movement? There is a little bit of a detector of. I don't know if it's a reflection of where where I am and how I see the world, you know, because as I shift, I start to only look for what's like that. But mm-hmm. at the same time... You seek it out, right? Yeah. I mean, when you get a new car, you see only your car, right? So as I shift and see everything is working, you start to find other people that are shifting, and you see this world is full of, like, thousands of mini Gandhis all over the place right. that are starting to rise. But I, I will say that, like... Um, it does feel that it has to be because, you know, when you see our government approval ratings at like 18 percent and everyone knows the media, it's like a known thing now. The media is BS and people are open to new things and maybe things weren't the way we actually thought they were at all. And people's minds are opening to at least moving from ridiculing things that that were just told to them to debating it, you know, and and there's there is some type of. There is some type of thing going on where our, if you look in the 80s, remember the ads that would be like a guy standing by a pool with two women saying, like, you can be like me. <laughs> yes. Remember? Yeah, yeah. That would be and, and, a spoof And was serious. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That would be – or buy the Ginsu steak knives and that blue screen that's a two orders. And <laughs> like that would be a spoof of itself. Right, now. right, right. And there's – you know, our BS meters are through the roof. When you get an email with an exclamation point, you know that it's spam. <laughs> and you just, you just see – throw that out. Throw that out. That's not real. That's not real. Real, except for if you get a text that doesn't have an exclamation point, you think they hate you. Yeah, they're, they're being. Why are they being so cold to me right, right now? Yeah. Uh, I will finally wrap this up by relating it to, which is supposedly what this podcast does, uh, related to current media and current uh, film, TV, or whatever. Sure. I'm I, I've been tr- grappling with why the movie Boyhood impacted me so strongly, yeah, it's so amazing. beautifully. I saw it too, um, and and I'm seeing, and it's and I'm not alone, and 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 people who aren't males who grew up in Texas are responding to it. Mm-hmm. And and I watched it win awards last night. Um, and I think it's exactly what you're talking to, that it's representing something so powerful and so pure in, in one of the more authentic ways that I've ever seen because of this, quote, gimmick that it was constructed, you know, over time, but that we actually saw a progression of a life and a group of people and saw what they go through in this kind of composite way and I walked out of that theater and I just wanted to live in that for a little while and I couldn't 
I couldn't vocalize it. I couldn't. I knew that I connected to it because I had been a boy and I had a boy and, and yeah. he's a grown man now. So I recognized the kind of the nostalgia of it, but it was more than that. It was even in a movie, experiencing something that real was more satisfying yes. than the big tentpole thing that I could have gone to see down the, down the hallway. I think one subconscious thing I got from it, and I think a lot of people might agree with, is that just how temporary our problems are. You yeah, know, like, yeah, this, yeah. like remember the guy's an alcoholic and he's throwing the bottle and everything. And then, you know, we're now two years later. Yeah. You know, and, and, that's, just and like, that's a distant memory. That's yeah. a distant memory. So everything we think that we're going through right now will be a, a distant memory, you know, very shortly. Right, right. And all of this stuff is just transitory. And a, a friend of mine is Glenn Morshauer. I don't know if you know, he's a huge actor. Sounds um, very, yeah. He's in 24 and Transformers. He's always the general in every movie. He's kind of a redheaded guy. But he says as a speaker something that has blown my mind, which is that the reason every moment is so amazing is that it's temporary. Like, this is just temporary, and I get to do this right now. And if you constantly have that awareness in it, you know, we act like everything's life or death. You know, do I stay in this job forever? Well, you can change your mind tomorrow. Like, still, you can you can go leave it right now, and if it doesn't work, you can come back. You can stay in it for two days. Like, we act like every decision is which direction down this right, road right, right, am I right. going to never come back from? I mean, and everything is just temporary, and that movie made me really reflect on that because you just see actually the actors aging and that's really interesting yeah. to, to go through 12 years with a with a cast and and it's an it is an yeah. amazing yeah movie. it's a powerful thing and i'm still i still don't know that i've quite nailed it but um i think it speaks to what you're talking about that authenticity might be having a comeback <laughs> yeah it's it's all that works now i mean that's all louis ck is yeah. right he's remember in the 80s you also would go who's in the movie and you'd see st- I think one of the things we did was from the 60s to like 2003, actually there's a book on this called Pendulum that talks about this, but but it, one of the things we did was we go back and forth from seeing ourselves as either realistic or a vision every 40 years. Oh, so, really? Yeah. So in 1963, in the 50s, people were all conformed. They broke away from conformity and they started seeing themselves as a vision. So the Beatles show up and they make fun of conformity by wearing the same crap, but they're like making fun of the parents. Then people start saying, I feel free, born to be wild. And then we go into this thing where we start to see ourselves as a vision. Then we get to like 73 to 83 and we take a good thing too far and we become cartoonish, right? So right, right. 1983, the village people kiss. Michael Jackson's got a diamond suit on. He's walking with one glove backwards and forwards at the same time. <laughs> Gallagher's got props. Madonna's the material girl. Imagine if the material girl came out now because now we are the 99% and we hate rich people. We hate Donald Trump who we worshipped in the 80s. We hate, right. right? And our president was a heroic actor in the 80s. Now it's a president saying, yes, we can. And it's about we and not me and my vision. So in the we time, there's a lot of authenticity. In 2004, there was a night where the movie Geely came out, which was two stars. Then it was the biggest box office failure ever. And the same time, Napoleon Dynamite came out, which was a very realistic movie where the lead character is a zit face nerd right. that everyone goes, I, can, I identify with that guy. So when the music started switching to like grunge and nirvana's like kids like us in the basement versus like this diamond wearing guy that now when videos go viral with a star in it it's because they pulled a guy out of the audience to be with them and people can identify with the guy in the audience 
you've seen like those five Michael Bublé or Billy Joel pulling a guy out oh, to sing with him? Yeah, just the normal guy going, can I play with you? Right. And then they, they that's us up there experiencing I, I that. could be on stage with a yeah. Billy Joel. They yeah. don't see themselves as Billy Joel. They see themselves as the guy. Yes, and, absolutely. And because of that, t- we hate the people, though, as a society that are all perfect and we bring them down. Right. So TMZ wants to hate on all the, you know, Anybody who Kim reaches, Kardashians. Yep, yep, yep. When in the 80s, we wanted to be like them. So we protected them and worshipped them. Well, the, and, but they're still uh, – this is I know, such a long day. I know. It's crazy, right? But they're still – but those people still are still popular too. I mean those, there's a reason they reach that level of success. There's a yes. kind of mindless group of people who you know, kind of worship that celebrity as well. And many of their songs are about – like Pink has a song about underdogs and, and there's songs about – coming from behind and being an underdog type person then i'm the material girl do you see the difference right, there? Right. think of material girl coming out now or a guy full of diamonds coming out now when we're so much more aware of you know there's problems in other countries people aren't eating and stuff and right. here's this guy that's made of diamonds <laughs> like, <laughs> but that pendulum will swing back obviously well i and i think it won't swing back the same way i think that consciousness is always rising but i think right now we're we're what it feels like is we're starting our our basically what it shows in Pendulum is at the top of every we is when every world war starts because we come together against another we, right? Oh. But what I actually am wondering and thinking is that the other people we're going to be against are the people at the top, not another country. Yeah. In other words, everyone's awareness has shifted to you know, the manipulative tactics to go into Syria and to... Or just our own political system in general, which which more... I mean, my son's generation are completely um, cynical about. It's, right. it's that, uh, it, you know, money wins, nobody's getting anything done. I mean, that's all they're hearing now right. and all they're feeling and all they're saying to each other. So right. that kind of pushback, that kind of response I definitely see coming, even within our own country. And the downside to that is it it makes a resistance to money. And 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 not a there's a worship of money that's not good and there's a resistance to money that's not good. You know, because money to me is just a reflection of yourself. It can just it just can flow, it can be a thing and it's not who you are. But both of them are still making money who I am. I'm anti money. I am someone who is against money. So now there's people with good hearts that aren't raising money for charities or bringing it into it because they're so spiritual and against this thing that could be helping all these people. And then there's people that are obsessed with it and hoarding it. And that's like eating food and never taking a crap, right? So you're constantly, you know, imagine if you had a coupon to make sure you could get very little poop out. You know, people are hoarding, like letting go. And for me, life works really well when you circulate your money and you realize that you're not the apples, you're the apple tree. And that I can make this crap all day, but I also don't have an addiction to a lot of external things. So I don't spend it hardly at all except for giving it to other people. So I donate it for real or I, you know, I pay for the lunches more and stuff, whatever. And and circulate it. And in that letting go, constantly it makes me remember that I'm not my money. I'm more than that. And I make it all day. Right, right, right. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Oh, Kyle, geez, we could talk all day. We could poop all day for yeah, that matter. I'm up for it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're in the toilet with Kyle right now. <laughs> Let's, oh, there's the new show. Yeah. All right. So um, I want to have you back. And I want to kind of, you know, go on this little journey with you if you're willing. I would love to. Um, and, and when you have time. Can I just say this, though? I do miss 
Kyle Cease, the stand-up comic. Is that okay? Yeah, and um, it's my not... son, my son in particular, said, and he wanted me to tell you this because he knew that we were eventually going to do this. He said, I, "I need you to tell Kyle." how much my friends and I were quoting his CD and the new one would come out and we watched the special. It was part of their vernacular. Right. And, and he wanted you to know um, that you made that impact. And I know that you don't need to hear that's, that anymore no, or whatever. No, nice. but it's very but, nice. But he and I both miss you as the stand-up comic. Well, we do miss that guy. You can tell him this, that I'm not anti-doing comedy anymore. I needed a few years to figure out who I was or what I believe because before that all I was was a collection of beliefs based on me being a comic right I needed to take some time and figure out what's true for me and now I'm starting to merge them more and more and more so that's definitely definitely I'm allowing whatever to come through to tell me you know whatever I feel like doing the most but I definitely know with this awareness is better comedy and and so I'm, I'm that's that's what I'm yeah. looking for if I can work with you and let you know that there are people out there who would who would love to have you back in that world yeah. in a more high profile way in the right way for you we're all for it i well that's awesome all to right, hear dude. and and um if you if we're if we were wrapping i just we want are. people to know that they can go to kylecease.com and come see my events and because there's these evolving out loud events that i do that yeah. are so fun because i speak watch, for two days straight yeah watch these videos guys you'll get a you'll get a sense of it right away they're they're highly entertaining and they're immediately um, they immediately touch something because you get, you you don't you don't kid around. You get right to work with these people, yeah. and, and I love that. And and you get and you hear it and you feel it right away from even in these videos. Well, I, thank you. Yeah, the, I, co- the comic in me f- is all still about authenticity. You know, right? And comedy often is calling the BS in the world. And then we go to this airy fairy world where it's very positive and they're very everything's perfect and no one's laughing. And <laughs> and there's a lot of inauthenticity in that world. Absolutely. And I mean, just the fact that we have to call it airy fairy is telling us right now right. That, that, that there's stuff that just it sounds a little you know too see, too out there. I see a lot of denial in that world. Yeah. Like you know, just I see a lot of authenticity too, but I see a lot of people that are like, you know, mm, I just know it's going to take care of me or whatever and that's great but there it's almost a sentence enough just as it to there's like a fine line between if you want to call this in whatever enlightenment or to the truth or whatever and connecting yourself and being psychopathic right because we hear stuff like you know that was supposed to happen because it did and that's a great way for you to release control of the past but people also use that as, an, as a way to be crappy to other people yes or and, or to or to not Put the effort forth to do the thing that you you were meant to do. Right. Um, it's one thing to just kind of let stuff come to you. It's another thing to actually maybe take a few steps toward the thing that's supposed to be coming to right. you. Right. Yeah. Because what I'm getting is that, yeah, my my along with all the cynicism that's out there, what if your doubts are also bullshit? Yeah. Yeah. What if you're, you know, and then you can work through an emotional pain and get to the other side of it and realize that you were living in a lie and then you kind of call BS on your old self. And then so that authenticity is still there. There's the, a desire to there's even a desire in me to kind of call out some of the the I've seen so many cons in the self-help world. And well, I, yeah, and they and, have me MC it and I'll 
kind of tell the audience. <laughs> you know? Yeah, good. Well, this is good. All yeah. right. We got to come back and we got to do this again. Kyle, awesome. thank you so much for the, your time here. Tell people again where they can go. Go to kylecease.com. Um, there's events. There's I have a product called 21 Days to Creativity. That's an online streaming series. There's DVDs. I love working with people. Um, and, and there's an event that I'm doing coming up February 7th and 8th in LA. And then another, well, that's sold out. So there's one in March also. Um, the, th- these events are basically a two day event that's just fun and it's designed to get you out of that consumer mindset and into your creative flow based mindset. And there's no dogma, there's no control, there's nothing but playfulness. And it's like two days of like getting off of Facebook and being around your doubtful friends and kind of immersing yourself in this world of possibility. Everyone starts thinking that way. They start collaborating with you and you start to see everyone in the room as an asset. They all got, oh, I got this and this I like and this. it. I like it. Yeah. That's 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 what people need right yeah. there. That's so good. It's oh, really cool. So dude, join me. You're so smart. Thank you. <laughs> you know things. <laughs> Thank you. I learned it from you. <laughs> it was that internship in 97. All right. All right. I'm gonna, this is where I'm going to stop now. That's yeah. what I've been waiting for for an hour and 30 minutes. <laughs> Thank you, Kyle. It's so good to see you. Man. You I'm too, man. Get a monkey. Get a monkey. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 